On this week's Frustration Nation, a lot more NFL, college football talk. I'm still really pissed about the AP poll. Man of the Michigan hat is pissed about Michigan State fans. Uh, Patrick Wisdom surpasses Chris Bryant in the Cubs all-time home run rookie record. Uh, and we talk about some 20 questions. We play off an idiot. We play draft days, talking about some soups for this upcoming fall season. And why not also just talk about how to kill animals, specifically drowning varmints that invade your property. Great stuff here on this episode of Frustration Nation. Welcome to Frustration Nation, presented by Shoot Your Shot Sports. are the FN podcast for FN fans of FN sports teams. Every episode we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm your pessimistic host and Detroit fan, the man in the Michigan hat, and I'm here with my miserable co-host and Chicago fan. Is that Rob Tanyan? It is. Yes! Oh, yes! (laughs) And we are here to answer your questions. So... This may sound like an unusual episode of Frustration Nation when I'm cheering for Robert Tanyan, but you know what the heck, dude? We we are here Monday night watching live the Lions at Lambeau Field against the Packers game. I had a prop bet on Tanyan and Hawkinson to score a touchdown, and then all I need left is Hawkinson to get like nine more yards receiving, and then I hit. That was an impressive bet. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, all of our reactions you'll hear are li- live, genuine, raw. Um, yeah. So, that's that's that. But in terms of fence <sighs> sessions, since, yeah, because, by the way, Frustration Nation, as you've noticed, we tried to emphasize the frustration, and I just celebrated a Tanyan touchdown. So... Let me now flip that around and just say I'm frustrated, though, because now the Packers are leading 21-17 to 17 against the I'm really happy. Close game. It? We'll update more as we go. Um, but, yeah, obviously frustrating that we just gave up the lead. So There's always a negative um, lining. <laughs> the negative lining. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Vince Sesh. Let me jump in. I'll go on mine uh, because we're on a commercial break right now. That way, I can get mine done first before we go. That way, I Um, you don't. I don't have to actually listen to you speak, Kyle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So my plus, eh, I guess mine might lead more into the next topic. Whatever. I'll just start. Um, Michigan State 
fans. So Michigan, Michigan State, big rivalry, obviously. Um, both teams have been bad the past couple years, so the rivalry isn't died down, but I guess personally I've cared less. But now that both teams have had solid starts of the year, both 3-0, and both beat teams that were at least at the time considered to be decent Power 5 teams, Michigan ranked 19th in the polls, Michigan State ranked 20th. Like It's become a more relevant rivalry again, and I had forgotten how obnoxious Michigan State fans are when their team is good. So I'll admit, as a Michigan fan... This, I mean, that sounds probably super hypocritical if you're listening and you like Michigan State because, yes, I admit, Michigan fan base is very arrogant and very annoying. As a Michigan fan, our fan base is terrible. But the Michigan State fan base also is annoying for other reasons because they have this inferiority Napoleon complex where every little thing that happens, they have to bring up Michigan. And that's where the whole little brother thing comes from Michigan referring to them as like they're our little brother the whole rent free like all that kind of stuff because every little thing that happens Michigan State has to jump in and say why you know like Michigan will comment our running back is tied for the most touchdowns in the in, in uh, college football right now and they'll respond well when's the last time Harbaugh beat Ohio State it's just like immediately has to or Michigan State beat them last year you know like right true but your, you know, your insecurity is showing Michigan State. Like, hey, zip your pants. You know, like, insecurity is hanging out. Um, yeah, it's just Tucker very in. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I get why, because Michigan fans have been so arrogant and have been such a, like, a higher-rated program for so long. I get why there's that. It's kind of like the Packers versus Lions thing. Like, they probably would say some similar things about Lions fans. But it just comes across as very annoying when every little thing, like now Michigan State fans are freaking out because Michigan's ranked 19th and they're ranked 20th, and they think that they deserve to be that one extra spot. It doesn't matter. Can Michigan State fans, can we just calm down after week three? Not everything's a conspiracy theory. Not everything is about you being a victim. Like, let's just take a deep breath um, as Jared Goff runs for about 55 yards. (laughs) No, it's a good first down run. Um, so yeah, I mean that's it. Um, yeah, which is fun. Like as a rival, as a fan who enjoys rivalries, it makes the games matter more. It makes the off season or the the trash talk between weeks more fun. It makes the arguments more compelling. Like it's good for both teams, um, but the fans come off as kind of insufferable. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, so when I, so here's the thing. I originally had a bears related event sesh, but I thought about it a little bit more and I am, I do have a reason to complain about the bears, but I actually more have a reason to, I'm so, I'm, this is week number two of me being very upset about the AP poll. And Notre mm. Dame is is 12th, and I understand. But here's the thing. is like I know Notre Dame has had a couple close calls, and they haven't really played anybody yet. But last week was their best game, best margin of victory. They won by 14 points, two scores against Purdue, which you could argue is what they should have done. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. they let Purdue score more than they should have, but 
I mean, I think what was it, twenty four to seventeen or something? Like, or no, it was twenty seven to fourteen. Like, mm-hmm. that's only two scores that the defense allowed. Like, come on, the the Notre Dame is <laughs> Notre Dame is better than twelfth. And what irritates me is that Ohio State and Clemson and Florida are all above them with a loss. And here's the thing. Like, Florida, like, I'm happy for you. That should do my parlay. Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Third and one. Big 15-yard catch. Let me see. He was only – he was less than 10 yards away, and he just got 15. So Oh, yes. Um, Good call. Thank you. I'm really proud of that parlay. That is on points bet, by the way, which is our sponsor. Frustrate is the key code to yards use. For Hawkins. F-R-U-S-T-R-A-T-E. And when you do, you get a $50 to $250 deposit match. So make sure you do that. Valid in Illinois, Iowa, oh. and New Jersey. Avoid where prohibited. You must be 21 or older to enter. And uh, if you have gambling problems... Uh, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. But getting back to my event sesh, it's it's so ir- – like, I know Florida – like, it was down to the wire against Alabama, and Florida had a horrible two-point conversion attempt. But the thing is, is, like, they still lost. Like, yeah, they, they played Alabama really tight, and I would I would have definitely put Florida above Notre Dame if they beat Alabama, but they didn't. They lost. Like I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you lost. Okay, Ohio mm-hmm. State. They they played a very close game against Tulsa. I know in the end, <clears throat> I know in the end Ohio State had, uh, what was it, twenty one points over them, but it was still. It was not as close. As Very close, yeah. and then Clemson is closer than the score looked. Yeah. Clemson barely hangs on against Georgia Tech. Like mm-hmm. they had to have a fourth down goal line stand in the last waning seconds of the game to beat Georgia Tech. Like you cannot tell me that these three teams are definitively, without a shadow of a doubt, better than Notre Dame. And I know, I I know you might be able to argue that Florida is because of how close they they played Alabama, but. I'm going to go here and agree with what my brother-in-law said. He and I were talking about this over the weekend. We were saying we feel that the AP poll, what has destroyed the AP poll is this emphasis on, quote-unquote, quality wins. Who who did you beat? When did you beat them? Quality losses, too. I see. Are like yeah. (laughs) Yeah. These games. It's considered a quality loss. Exactly. And what what we've been saying is the AP poll – I you can evaluate teams by quality wins and losses once they're when you have teams that have the same record and you need like tiebreakers. Right. Okay. Yep. But teams that are two and one should not be above teams that are three and oh. I'm sorry, they just should not. And to his point, if you feel like Clemson, Ohio State, Florida are better than Notre Dame or even Michigan, who's three and oh, then you know what? Expand the playoff so that those teams can play, and then if they really are better, then they will rise to the top. But mm-hmm. I feel like you should be punished for having a loss on your schedule, and these other teams that are three and zero for some reason are just 
like, I don't know. I, I think it's it's BS to me. Um, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I get frustrated. <sighs> Go for it. So, yeah. Do you want to update update us on the game? We're fourth and one. Lions are like thirty yards out. A little less than thirty <clears throat> yards out. They're down four. Six minutes left in the third. <clears throat> Go for it. It's definitely field goal range, yeah. but I would go but for it in this spot. With a kicker who's unproven, that's to me, the getting a fourth and one on a run feels just as likely. Oh, they're going to pass it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come on, run the ball. Run the ball. Run the ball. I run hope. The ball. Th- run the ball. Oh, crap. They're passing it. Oh, no. Interception. You run the – no, just incomplete. Oh. You run the ball there. You've been running the ball all night. I hate that play call. Yeah, not great. I know they the challenge. whole theory is, oh, they think you're going to run it, so you pass it. On a play action, maybe that makes sense. But they when line, you line up, up shotgun. in the shotgun. Yeah, that was that's, a- a, that's a dumb call. Goff has been really good tonight, but I the run game has been really good too. I like my chances running the ball way better there. So anyway, that's that's all I've got from event sesh. It's just the the AP yeah. poll is continues to be stupid. The more I think about it, and you know whatever uh, Notre Dame opens up against Wisconsin this week as a five and a half point underdog at Soldier Field during a Shamrock series, which I can't believe because Notre Dame here is ranked twelfth. Wisconsin's ranked eighteenth. Notre Dame is three and zero. Wisconsin is one and one, coming off mm-hmm. a bye week. Wisconsin's loss was to Penn State, which is a good team. They're up to rank they're ranked sixth now, and that's probably why Wisconsin is still eighteenth and why they're considered the favorite. But I just don't like whatever. Yeah. This in my perspective as a Notre Dame fan, I feel like Vegas is giving me free money by putting Notre Dame as the underdog. Like I'm here to tell you that I think Notre Dame is still a very good team. I think they have the mm-hmm. potential to be a top ten team. And I think that five and a half will be easily covered because I think Notre Dame is going to win. So I would tell you, honestly, to put your larger bet on five and a half for Notre Dame. And then I would probably put a little sprinkle on the money line just just because I really think Notre Dame will win this game. And it's surprising yeah. to me that they're not even just an underdog, but five and a half points. Like I thought maybe they'd be plus like at most like plus one plus two and a half plus three and a half but plus five and a half that's surprising that'll go down the number will move people are going to bet Notre Dame yeah it's so a couple things I agree with what you said I think one thing is there's a lot of circular reasoning that happens early on in the year because you have this preconceived ranking so it's like well Penn State I think Wisconsin's good because they lost to Penn State who's a really good team well why is Penn State good because they beat Wisconsin. Right. You know, it's like, it's just like a circular reasoning exactly. that because you say their team's good in the preseason, like Clemson, they might just not be good. Well, you know? and, like, and has anybody so considered if you're going that? down that, so you know? Georgia beats Clemson. Wow, Georgia must be good. Huge well, win for Georgia. Well, now, but Clemson, Clemson just sucks. <laughs> maybe, but if Clemson right. sucks, then Georgia is not actually that good because they beat exactly. a team that sucks. Exactly. So I do think Georgia's good, but maybe Clemson's still bad. Like it's just too, way too. And that's the oh, problem overthrown. with these quality. That's the problem with these quality wins and everything. Yeah. Um. 
it's so subjective that it's impossible to really <clears throat> form a confident opinion. But um, I think the real problem too is the AP poll. Like, it seems like they're trying to rank who they think the best teams are and not who the most deserving teams are. It's like you could say I still think Florida is better than Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay, like sure, fair, or even Michigan. Yeah, they. I if I had to guess. If they played head-to-head, I think Florida's the better team. But are they the more deserving team? Is their resume better? No, it's not. You know, it's definitely not better than Notre Dame's. And, yeah, so it's like, do you think they play head-to-head? Who do you think would win? Well, that's not supposed to be the job of a ranking. Right. A ranking shouldn't be a subjective who I think the better team is. Like, it has to be some level of objective. This is your record. This is – it's hard to determine strength of schedule – this early but i it, it just it's very much like a a subjective rating which is dumb because that's what determines a lot of stuff like playoff committee as we go so yep yeah i think that's a big reason why you need to expand the playoff because it's less likely that a decision like that matters if you have more options opportunities I, to get in i so. totally agree i totally agree um so before we get into college football, I just because this whole episode is football, um, but I have one quick piece of news that is not football related, just very briefly. That is that Patrick Wisdom um, the other night set the new rookie record for the Cubs for home runs, hitting his 27th home run, which officially surpasses Chris Bryant's number of 26. So hmm. that was a very... Um, surprising thing to happen in this year it's kind of weird that you said goodbye to chris bryant and then immediately you break his his home run record uh for the cubs set by rookie um but which that's exciting though because it's like maybe it's a passing of the torch kind of like it's a silver line the cubs are so weird to figure out how to feel right now because they have some exciting pieces in like frank schwindel and patrick wisdom but the problem is that both of those guys are 30 years old so yeah, mm-hmm. they're rookies, but they're thirty. Like so, maybe you get two, three years out of them that that's worth anything. To me, those guys are maybe slightly better versions of David Bodie, where it's like you're gonna mm-hmm. get positive um, con- contribution from them, but they're and even if you need them to be an everyday starter, you're not gonna be horrible, but. Uh, if you're trying to compete for a World Series, these guys should be depth pieces, um, yeah. or, or depth pieces, or like a uh, a uh, utility guy, and not like an everyday starter. In my opinion, maybe they'll change our minds, but that's kind of my my thinking there. Um, so, um, Big Bob Tanyan celebrating a defensive pass interference is one of the most electric moments in this game, for sure. So. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for doing that, Mr. Tanyan. Um, but moving on to back to football. Uh, congratulations to Patrick uh, Wisdom. But uh, this ep- this episode is dedicated to football. So Notre Dame played Purdue. Uh, it was a close game for a while until the end. There. I don't know. Jack Cohn has not looked good these past two weeks. Like he looked awesome against Florida State. Past two weeks, he's not looked really that good at all notre dame twitter is clamoring for buck tyler buckner the freshman hmm. backup to get start 
Um, again, I did not watch the game against Toledo, but apparently Buckner had a few, I think he had like, yeah, he had a few plays and he averaged 10 yards per play. So he's exciting. He has scrambling capability. Um, <gasps> so I'm really hoping oh. you got to intercept that. I'm really hoping that he will, um, that Buckner will see the field at some point or that Cone just steps up his game. Um, Cone had several, several overthrown passes. I can never remember his name, but number four on Notre Dame, who's easily our best receiver, just, oh my word, he'd be wide open. He'd have like four steps on the Purdue cornerback and just nothing. Like, he just mm-hmm. overthrows the guy. So Cone needs to figure out how he's going to hit his receivers and when, when number four is getting you that much separation, you don't even need to hit them in stride. Just hit them, period. So that is something he needs to improve on, like, as soon as possible. Um, and hopefully we see that turn around because the Notre Dame is about to start their gauntlet of games. They've got Wisconsin. Um, let me look up who else is on their schedule. But they've got Wisconsin. I know they have uh virginia tech coming up um they've got cincinnati coming up yeah so it goes wisconsin cincinnati virginia tech usc mm-hmm. um do you play byu this year no oh i'm sorry so no it's notre dame or sorry it's wisconsin cincinnati virginia tech bye week usc and then north carolina and then navy and at, once yeah, you're out of tough. once you're out of navy, you're kind of in the clear. But holy mm-hmm. crap! Like this Cincinnati is a really tough game this year. Wisconsin's tough. Cincy's tough. Virginia Tech has been surprising this year, even though they lost on Saturday. USC is always a challenge for Notre Dame, and North Carolina is ranked. Like it's not going to be easy. So Jack Cohn had better figure out how he's going to hit his receivers. Again, I don't even need him to hit it in stride. Just like get them the ball somehow Mm -hmm. so that is my little spiel on notre dame i'm really glad they won you heard me already vent about their place in the poll um not only did notre dame win they also covered they were minus seven and a half i think going in yeah and they covered that by winning by 14 so i was very pleased by notre dame um i'm i really do i think they can beat wisconsin and i think they will I really do think they will at Soldier Field. I'm really looking forward to that game. And I think if Jack Cohn's going to have any game that he, like, shows how good he is, it's going to be against his former team, Wisconsin. So I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, Let's go Irish. And, uh, yeah, what do you have for us on Michigan? Yeah, so, I mean, Michigan went out against probably the easiest team on their schedule and did what you're supposed to do. Took care of business. Um, dominated the game from start to finish their first nine drives they scored a touchdown on all nine drives and then they pull starters and then after that you I mean you're so far ahead at that point you're up what 63 to nothing that it, there's no chance the other team can even cover or do anything right. but yeah you give up a late score you kind of sputter out your last few drives but at that point you have your second anything. and third stringers in yeah so it doesn't mean anything right your first string did absolutely everything you would ask from them against an inferior opponent. The run game continues to be dominant. Our Blake Corum, who coming into this year was our second running back, 
uh, on the depth chart is leading the nation in touchdowns. So that's cool. Uh, with eight touchdowns through two through three games now. Um, so yeah, I mean, the team looks really good. If the defense plays well against better competition, which I mean, as much as people hate on Rutgers because of how bad the program's been, they're a really solid team this year. They're not like a top 10, 15 team, but I mean, they're a, a good ranked team. So Rutgers isn't going to be an easy game. So if you dominate on defense and still show the ability to run the ball, then I, it just continues to impress more and more. The way they ran the ball on Washington, with as bad as Washington's been this year, they still have a very good run defense. Um, yeah, show it against Rutgers, and then the yep. next week, go show it against Wisconsin. Like you're going to have plenty of chances to show that you're as good as some people have said you are, and as good as you've looked early on. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, there's not too much you can take from this. I don't know how anybody's mind could have been changed who was, like, a pessimist now because you stomped I don't NIU. Think, but it's still just all good signs at this point. I think what I would say from, the, from like, an outsider's perspective, I feel like Michigan is actually a, a force to be reckoned with this year as opposed to last year. Last year, everything they did seemed like a joke. And this yeah. year, like – their first their first week was like you know I don't even remember who they played week one but it was like this year West Virginia Western wasn't it Western Michigan or sorry yeah I just misspoke it West, felt West like Michigan. they were definitely gonna win that game no matter what beating yeah. Washington was a big game for them and now NIU I know they're a bad program but Michigan last year would have struggled to beat them and. They would have won, but they probably would not have won by 53 points or whatever. Probably they, wouldn't have covered, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that says a lot about Michigan. And, I mean, if they really turn around this year and are competitive, I mean, I know you're kind of over him, but that says a lot about Jim Harbaugh that he's able to like, rally them from one such a bad year and turn around to, like, a, do- like yeah. a, a pretty dominant year. I was telling my brother-in-law, I'm really – I'm – like if Michigan can keep this up, I'm actually going to be invested in watching Michigan Ohio State this year because Ohio State looks to have taken some steps back. Michigan seems to have taken a step forward. It could be mm-hmm. an actually competitive and interesting game to watch. Yeah, it's I mean it's tough. I still refuse to get my hopes up and I also refuse to yeah, Packers just scored. Man, so I don't know who has Aaron 10. Jones on fantasy, but he has like three touchdowns tonight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I still am not changing my expectation about the ability to beat the Packers. I know on paper and all that, like things change, but just as a fan, I refuse to let myself get excited or think that way. Um, also, um, I still have the same expectation. Like it's still beat Ohio state or bust for Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know I've already said, I think beat Ohio impossible. state so maybe and that's bust. unfair. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, I know which I said I think is impossible, but as a team, it's objectively is possible, and that's the standard you need to hold to. So it's like it's now or never. Um, if nothing else, I'm glad Ohio State has looked down this year. Not just because I'm glad to see them struggle, which I am, but because it makes it that much easier if he loses to Ohio State to feel fully confident. Yep, it's not. It's time to move on. You know. Yep. If not now, then when kind of thing. Yep. So, yeah, we will see. But we'll, I mean, 
we'll be getting answers soon. So Michigan fans who don't like the overreactions, Michigan fans who think that some of us are still too pessimistic, whichever side you're on, like we'll be having our answers in increasing amounts as the weeks go on. So. Yep. Um, any other college games you want to mention? Um, no, not really. Uh, again, nothing really happened this past week to drastically change the landscape of college football as far as I know. A it few is things almost happened. <laughs> A few things were close to happening. Um, I still think – so if Florida beats Alabama, it's even that much more wide open. Yep. But I do think the top of the league is about as wide open as I remember it being. Yep, agreed. Um, Georgia is always kind of there, but they're always kind of a second-tier top of the league. Right now, they look like they could potentially be the best team. Alabama at least showed some signs of vulnerability. Ohio State and Clemson both look very bad. And have losses. Right now. Yeah. And have losses. So I think that – I mean, Oklahoma, that was another Oof, that, almost bad that happened. Like, mm-hmm. they're a team that you would think would be poised to take advantage of an opening. Spencer Rattler like, was supposed to take the – like yeah, football by storm and be the undeniable number one pick. I think it's interesting because if there is an opening, say Ohio State, Clemson, both take a step back. Who's that team that steps up? Well, if <sighs> Oklahoma also takes a step back, that leaves it wide open it for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so it's, it'd be Alabama, Georgia, and then who? Like Cincinnati. Yeah, it's not often Penn that you State, have like, more than one spot that looks like it could be up for grabs. So, I mean. Do I feel confident saying I think Iowa is a playoff team? No. I don't even Penn State, I don't think so. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um again, it might be an overreaction because maybe three more weeks from now all those teams have won all their games, but yeah, I don't know. All right. Sorry if you heard anything weird. I had a time of my microphone disconnected for a minute. So um Check if it's still Oh, we're we're connected because it sounds like you're is your audacity still yes, running? Yes, my audacity is running. Okay. It sounds like it's not coming through the mic, but if it is, oh, really? it's fine. I don't know if it's coming through on audacity, yeah. to be honest. Okay. Um, as long as something's going on It indicates that it is, but it's hard to tell. Can okay. we can we pause our audio and then I can try to listen back and we can restart? Uh, Yeah, do I just hit stop? So I hit here? stop. I'm going to hit stop. Wait, three, two, one, stop. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Alright, so we're back. Sorry, we've had some major te- technical difficulties tonight. Um, so, we left off with the man in Michigan hat talking about how the top of the rankings in college football are wide open. And how there are several games this week that were close to making that even more interesting. Like Florida, Alabama, like Georgia Tech, Clemson, um, even Tulsa, Ohio State. But none of those things really changed because the favorites won in those games. So... But the main thing to note is that it's basically Alabama and Georgia at the top, and who else? That's kind of where we're at. I think Oregon Mm -hmm. is currently third, probably because they beat Ohio State. Um, 
But right. again, like we've said, if Ohio State continues to lose and look bad, then that brings Oregon's right. value down. How good right. really is Oregon? Yeah. And it's like when you look at the rest of the, t- the teams there, it's like Oregon, Iowa, Penn State, Oklahoma. Like none of those teams strike me as unbeatable exactly. whatsoever. And I know okay. no team is. But normally you have like th- two to three or maybe even four teams that look like clear far and away the best teams so i think it's at least interesting something to be watching um it's good for college football and it'd be even better for college football if you could actually have a lot of these teams make the playoff but that's another issue, the only so. comment i have about college football is i watched a lot of the penn state auburn game that was a really fun game um my bets did yeah, not hit but it was a fun game and being still a relatively new college fan the whiteout was super cool honestly like a cool environment like notre dame on saturday did a green out and it was pathetic compared to penn state's whiteout like that was awesome so yeah yeah um but fall is quickly coming uh we're recording this here on september 20th tomorrow or the day you're hearing this that this is being released it is fall and fall is not only for football and for trees becoming dead um and the smell of halloween candy and freddy krueger coming around the corner but fall is also for soup so we're going to do a draft days now with the uh Third choice in the 2002 draft, the Detroit Lions suggest, select Joey Harrington, quarterback from Oregon. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Things just got interesting. And this draft days is going to be our top five soups since it is almost fall so man michigan hat we need to flip a coin to determine who will get the first pick uh, we both established off screen before the before the recording that we we're both very big soup people soup is i freaking love soup i i, I eat soup even in the summer when it's hot out. i love soup so we're gonna I do feel t- very strongly about the importance of a good soup and about some soups just being objectively superior. Yep. So I actually am going into this draft day is probably more fired up about a draft than I've been in a while. And this might d- depend a little bit on our own experiences um, and maybe mm-hmm. like what we still make at home, things like that. So go ahead and flip a coin. I will take heads. All right. It is tails dang it that's not good did you have one clear cut oh yeah (laughs) mainly because i I, it's gonna be a popular one i think yeah so this one again maybe there's some disagreement on whether this counts as a soup Uh, yeah i know exactly where you're going (laughs) i'm gonna go chili yeah chili is definitely all right so let me clear cut clear cut first like that's easily first round number one pick it's like when no the year question. Zion came out in the draft. It's like, yeah. to me, there's lots of other great players, but that's by far the best in my mind. 
Um, so I would specify, I do like my favorite and I like all kinds of chili. Uh, my favorite is just a standard red chili, ground beef based, uh, definitely beans. And from there I do like corn and chili, sometimes pasta, maybe like from there it's less essential though, but just a nice hearty red ground beef based chili. Yeah. Maybe Can't even a sirloin. Oh, yeah. My mother-in-law makes one where she does ground beef and sirloin in it. I've also had chilies, bef- chilies before where it will be like ground beef and ground sausage, which is also really good. Um, even I had one a while ago that was, uh, what's the chorizo? It had chorizo yep. in it. It was very good. Um, there's I've had vegetarian chili, which that's even really good. Yep. Um, a lot of so beans. Hungry. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> white bean chili where it's like a more of a white broth with chicken usually mm-hmm. is good and then also i've had a buffalo chicken chili before oh. and that one's <laughs> that one's really good too that so good so i'm supporting you definitely in this number one overall pick and thank you all right what's your next pick um so my top pick here might come as a surprise it's not one that is um commonly seen by many as a a filler it's more of a one that comes as an appetizer this player comes all the way from across the pond from our our revolutionary war allies in france this is the french onion soup mm-hmm. that is my number one pick that is a solid choice especially with the uh, Gruyere cheese um, melted on top you get some yep. like nice croutons in there like mm-hmm. that stuff is that's good. one where it's like it's hard to find a good box not box mix like a canned oh, version you can't you cannot like, there's some soups like i can find a chill a canned chili that's at least passable like right. even like a hormel chili type thing it's like you know or what you go that, to go through the drive-thru at wendy's yeah wendy's is pretty good chili it's really hard to find a cheap or canned version of a good French onion soup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, I am going to go next with. There's a lot of different directions yeah. I'd like to go. Um, it's hard though to beat broccoli cheddar. Mm. Interesting. I feel like, um, I might regret passing on some other ones. Because if I had to think about it, there's times when I would take something else over broccoli cheddar. But I think broccoli cheddar is one of those soups that if it's done poorly, it's still average. And if it's done really well, it's almost one of the best soups you can have. Broccoli um, cheddar, yeah. Like if the che- if the broccoli has that a little bit of crisp still to it, and if the cheese is actually like very cheesy, but not in a cheap like Velveeta way, but like actually tastes like really yep. good cheese. It yeah, that is like a borderline unbeatable soup if you do it right. As Jared Goff fumbles again, they need to wipe the ball off for him. Poor guy. On third down, I mean you gotta go for it, right? Yeah. <sighs> nope, they're punting. Um, Jared okay. Doofus. For my second pick, I'm going to go with um. One of the favorites of the so I have I have a soup from France now I'm gonna go with a soup from the people of Italia. Um, this is a cream based soup. It has chicken and it has 
potato dumplings, better known as gnocchi. Oh, yeah. Chicken and gnocchi, which can most yep. easily be found at your local Olive Garden. They not do. A sponsor. Actually, it's pretty good at Olive Garden. Like, there's definitely better versions I've had. But like it's hard to find it many other places. We yeah. make it. We make it here usually at home. Um, mm-hmm. It's so like, even when we make it at home, we like make the, like the mock Olive Garden recipe. Mm-hmm. It's so oh, good, dude. That does sound- man. I'm hungry. It has the spinach in it too. I know. Yep. All right. Spinach and kale both are really good. And yeah, which actually. I might have to try kale in that next time. Actually, so I'm gonna go. It's interesting. I thought when I said that it reminded me of another one, but I think I can get it later. Um, in later picks, I'm just gonna do it now because I don't want to forget. So another Italian soup, um, mm-hmm. Zuppa Toscana, mm-hmm. um, which is also that just means soup in Italian. But, is that the um, other cream-based one? So with yeah, the sausage? it is. And, and then the reason I remember it is because it has kale in it. Um, so it's got kale, like some beans, I think zucchini maybe, but it's like a white, uh, cr- it's definitely like a heavy cream-based one, um, but usually like sausage or ground beef in it too. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go that one. Awesome. Uh, this next one is, uh, for me, a favorite. When I can't get chili, it's the next best thing, and that is chicken tortilla soup. Ooh, I hadn't even thought of that. Yep. Yep. So for me, uh, so far I've got a French soup, an Italian soup, and a Mexican soup. That's another good point. Yeah, having a variety. Yeah. Um, because the, my first two, chili and broccoli cheddar, were both very like stereotypical white American soups. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna go <sighs> next up. Seafood bisque. Ooh. Um, so, I mean, this one I'm sure is like wide open to interpretation as far as like who makes it, what's in it. Um, but like a red bisque soup mm-hmm. with shrimp to me is like the game changer. Mm. And you have that, like the little shrimp well, in would there. Would you have shrimp and lobster? I mean, ideally both. Like the best ones I've okay. had had both or even maybe like a scallop maybe you could go with, like a fried scallop mm. or um, – Honestly, it's one of those ones where, like, the more you mix in, maybe it's possible to overdo it, but I think having the variety is what makes it a good one. So, yeah, hmm. seafood bisque. All right. So, I have only have two slots left, and There's I have... There's a few, like, powerhouse soups still left out there. I know. I have two that I really am trying to save it for. Um, so this other one I'm probably going to demote to an honorable mention that I'll leave at the end. Um, but this next one for me is uh, loaded potato soup. Oh, um, I thought about that. Yeah. So again, another creamy based soup, one where it's creamy and potatoey and bacon, or you can do ham instead of bacon is also a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we made it once with ham left over from like Easter or something. That was a great decision. Um, that so that is that is my fourth pick. All right. I am going to go with Is this your final pick? It is. All right. Pressure's on. 
So this is different enough from the other picks I've made, and it's a classic. Um, I'm going to go with tomato soup. Okay. Um, so again, I feel fine taking it with my late pick. I mean, uh-huh. it's definitely it's an classic. overrated soup if people say it's like the best one out there. Um, but it's a classic. There's childhood nostalgia with it. Um, I mean, why I wasn't sure if I would take it it's because you already have chili, which is similar. Seafood bisque even kind of being somewhat similar. But um, a tomato, you know, like a tomato bisque, yeah, a tomato bisque or a tomato there. basil, to yep. me is a big upgrade over a canned tomato soup. Like I agree. For me, a go... canned tomato soup, I'm mainly using for cooking in another like recipe, or I'm having it with grilled cheese. But if I can get a tomato basil well, or a tomato bisque, it's are you? Yeah. Is it so too what? late to change my answer if I'm still I mean, on the clock? I. How does I guess that work? I'll keep my answer, but I'm going to name this as an honorable mention. If when I you don't said that, it, it reminded me of something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, honestly, uh, the main reason tomato soup is so good is because you have to have it with grilled cheese. Yeah. And there's almost no more iconic pairing than grilled cheese and tomato soup in all of food. So. <laughs> All right, so this last one for me is one that, when I say the name of it, is not going to sound good, um, but it's very good, and it's hard to, it's also something you may not be incredibly familiar with, because it's more or less a family recipe, but I can't not include it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've stated that this is actually my favorite soup of all time, Um, I just have not I didn't list it because I knew that it probably wouldn't get mentioned. So it's called vegetable soup, um, but it is not a... It's not like the one with the letters, you know? No, 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 the... no, 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 <laughs> no. That's alphabet soup, isn't it? Oh, you're right, alphabet soup. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's like bottom five soups of all time, alphabet soup. So vegetable soup, it sounds awful vegetable broth not a huge fan it's not vegetable broth it's beef broth and there's actually big chunks of beef stew meat in it and then there's mixed vegetable um in it so you either get can of mixed mixed vegetable or bags of frozen mixed vegetables which usually is like potatoes corn carrots and peas or green beans yep and that's all in there but here's the key here's the key when you make this soup so in the bottom of your crock pot, you put the stew meat, you put two beef bouillon cubes, mm-hmm. and you put a, two cans of tomato paste with some beef broth. Let it cook overnight, and the beef will be really tender. And then throughout the day, throw in the rest of your broth and your vegetables, and just let it sit there on low. Mm-hmm. And... December. This this thing is a dude, it is so like it is a beef base, but it's really like a tomato base. Like it's a mm-hmm. v- tomatoey beefy base. It is I freaking love this soup. So That does sound really good. Um it you, it really doesn't you really can't justify it unless you've had it, but in honor of my wife's late grandmother who introduced me to it, I'm going to definitely list vegetable soup 
Grandma Bowser's vegetable soup up there. Nice. So anytime you have like a family recipe soup too, it just it's immediately raises the level of it. So yep. When so. it comes to canned soups, here's one that's interesting. Like whenever it's canned, I still mm-hmm. will eat it, but it's just clearly a huge downgrade over homemade. And I don't know if you like it, but split pea and ham soup Ooh, is. I've never had canned of those. I don't think excellent homemade. Yeah, those and are good canned homemade. is the reason why kids don't like it because they have canned, yeah. and it's just very like texture wise not as good. So. That's so a good one. Are you honorable doing your honorable mention. mentions right now? Yeah, I have one honorable mention. I mean, there's okay. obviously way more soups. I mean, neither of us even picked chicken noodle, which is a classic. Um, and there's different ways you can have that. Yep. I mean, like a a rice, like a chicken rice. I have a couple. Or so like yeah, a lemon rice soup could be really good. My one main honorable mention, though, is it's kind of an odd one because it's almost entirely used in cooking. But I love just having the soup by itself, and that's cream of chicken soup. <laughs> I don't think like, I've ever tried it by itself. So I don't know if it's normal to have it by itself, but I, I have it before, is, but... and it is excellent. <laughs> 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 like as far as – it's definitely not a top five soup, but it's just a, like a personal preference. I really like it a lot. But objectively, it's – yeah, not. Um, So I have a couple honorable mentions. Okay. Um, my first one I almost went with, but I decided I would put loaded potato soup and vegetable soup over it. Um, but I, and it, it was also after you mentioned seafood bisque, but I really wanted to go with New England clam chowder. Oh yeah. Um, yep. I'm a it, some people. I've found that clam chowder is actually somewhat of a polarizing soup. Mm-hmm. Like there's people either that love it or people hate it. There's not very many people that are like eh. It's I feel like, like a lemon pepper or something like a lemon soup. Yeah, it's like very you love yeah. it or you hate it. Yeah. So I'm I'm somebody that loves clam chowder. So yep. um, that one would have been up there for me. I did think about lobster bisque, but you had said the seafood bisque. Um, yep. That stuff's really good. My other honorable mention is, um, my wife makes a uh, a chicken corn chowder. So that's really good because it's thick and creamy. And it's, again, it's a chowder with corn, chicken, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's a win. The last one I'd say is, again, it's, it's again, it's a weird one because it's a family recipe. Um, but it's, my mom used to make this thing called bratwurst stew. And this might, it, it sounds that very. sounds awesome. <laughs> I don't even have to know what's in it. I'm going to tell bratwurst. you, I really like it, but. A lot of my family, including my like my like my immediate family and my extended family, does not like it. So I, I don't, I haven't had it in years. Mm. But basically, you cook you cook up bratwurst over the stove, and then you in a pot you put chicken broth with cream of mushroom soup, and hmm. then you put in uh, your your bratwurst that you've cooked over the stove and your green beans and potatoes and it's awesome that doesn't sound good it's very good like chopped like sliced bratwurst yeah sliced bratwurst yeah sliced bratwurst peeled and boiled and sliced potatoes it's almost like an andouille sausage like for like yeah cajun type yeah or like for germans (laughs) yeah 
We didn't even get into Chinese soups, but like a wonton or a lemon Ooh. drop soup. Do you like egg drop? Yeah, like uh, that's why I'm at egg drop. But they do like lemon ones I too. Like, but yeah. I like egg drop. Egg drop's and good. Hot I think and sour. Oh. Yeah, Dude, we didn't there, get into it, that. There's also like dessert soups. Have you ever had um, peanut soup? Uh-uh. So peanut soup, you would like it. I might like it, it more like now. A, so I'm trying to think what it it's actually be. a colonial era soup. And I know this because I was homeschooled and we went to Williamsburg <laughs> for a vacation. But they had a colonial cookbook that had like, you know, like rabbit and pheasant and things that we could not make in the suburbs. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that we could make was peanut soup. And so you <laughs> serve it cold and it's, I, I mean, it, it more or less is like, drinking peanut butter <laughs> so wow i mean you would like that because i know you like peanut butter quite a like bit peanut butter a lot um so that one's good in hungary because i've been there um hungary they serve fruit soups which are more like a dessert soup they're also served cold i don't know what the broth is made out of but it's usually kind of like a. it's not yogurty it's definitely more um watery than that but it kind of has um as a sweet yogurty flavor to it huh. and f- and then fresh fruit it's it's really good um but definitely like different a parfait kind of thing maybe but just different texture but it's not it's not it's not i wouldn't be it's surprised if there's yogurt in it but it's definitely not just yogurt okay gotcha so interesting yeah so i could go on and on about soups but I'm sure I'm going to think of more, too. The next soup I need to talk about is Super Bears Super Bowl, <laughs> baby. Nice transition. <laughs> NFC North, first place, currently alone in first place, mm-hmm. Chicago Bears. Um, so they played the Bengals on Sunday, and they played quite well. Um, Excuse me. Andy Dalton had a really good start to this game, and then, of course, he got injured, um, which to a lot of Bears fans' delight meant it was Justin Fields' time, and it was exciting to see him enter the game. But honestly, Justin Fields' performance is kind of a mixed bag. Definitely one of those games where you can tell he's a rookie and needs some time to learn. I don't think it diminishes my hope for Justin Fields. I think he's still going to be a very good player. Mm -hmm. Um but he definitely has to go through some of those games where he's just learning, you know? Um, So he had a fumble and that was bad, but he went after the ball. Unlike so many QBs in this league, that was really awesome. (coughs) Cam Newton. An effort. Unlike really any, I've seen a quarterback give for a fumbled ball before. It was Um, funny because like the jokes about it. Oh my Lord. Jared Goff pick. <sighs> rough, rough second half for Jared yeah. after a really good first half. That is trash. All right. Um, yeah, it was funny the jokes about it because, like, Bears fans have been so high on <laughs> fields for good reason, but, like, also over the top <laughs> that it is funny when they're like, that was an elite fumble recovery by fields. <laughs> um but, I mean, it is true. Like, there is something to, I think, some of the, the – he's got a lot to learn still, obviously. Um, there's a lot of, like, 
growth that needs to be had but like the things that you can see right now that i think are elite for sure from him are like his leadership and effort and like intelligence like those intangibles that you really need as a foundation to have a franchise quarterback um you know like it's you can teach and you can develop a lot of these other things um but to to have a guy who's gonna put the effort in somebody who is a good team player like those are the things you need to see right away and you already see those with him so he had a couple false starts issued to him the quarterback because the way he was anticipating snaps that were not delivered to him that's something that he'll learn how to clean that up yeah it's Um, just a technique thing yeah and then he had I mean, he had three really good throws. He had one. He had one to Mooney and one to Allen Robinson, both of which probably should have been caught for touchdowns. Both of which were dropped, and he had a really nice. I think it was like a twenty-some yard pass to Cole Komet over the middle, but Komet was flagged for offensive pass interference. So yep. you had three very big positive offensive plays for Fields that were taken away at no fault of his own, and. If you give him those plays back, or even one or two of those plays back, his day all of a sudden looks way better than it actually was. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know and what? Plus, it doesn't so matter how so- bad Fields looks because what, all that matters at this point is he just needs experience, and that's yep. what was so frustrating about this idea of that they're going to start na- uh, Dalton because Dalton, yeah, sure, I'm sure Fields can learn some things behind him, but. Really what Fields needs, Fields has played at the highest level his whole life. What Fields needs more than anything is just a few games to get under his belt, what the NFL is like, and I'll bet you, because he's now going to be playing, I'll bet you that he will look sharp by the end of this season. Yeah, and it's, I mean, for a few games, and I think I tweeted this during the game, partly because I wanted to stir the pot, but nobody really took the bait, (laughs) but I was like, it is also true right now that Dalton gives you a better chance to win for like a week or two. That's right. Like, and a lot of that is because he is more experienced and that's just natural. But a lot of that is Nagy's fault because he got all the reps with the ones. So now whenever you made the switch, which happened, unfortunately for the bears, it happened at a time when he he wasn't able to have a week knowing that like hey we're right. going to make the switch here on the bye week or we're going to make the sweet the switch going into this week to where he at least gets a week's worth of reps with the ones he has to go into a game having never really had that um and so now yeah for several weeks now i don't know if it'll be two weeks i don't know if it'll be half the year i don't know if it'll be the whole year there's going to be a lot of times when you look at him and say dalton would have probably made that play or dalton he's going to do things even now that dalton couldn't do but overall Dalton gives you a better chance to win just yep. these next couple games but then but you need to give fields the reps because it won't take long for him to surpass that you know yep so and a lot of that's Nagy's fault honestly and that's been a common theme is like how what is he doing to help fields is that going to be an issue we'll kind of see as time goes on I think that you need to give him the reps because by the end of this year like you said you need to go into next year knowing that he's your better option. So, yep, agreed. Um, so, quick, quick update on the Packers Lions game. I have some more thoughts on the Bears, but yep. um, Packers went three and out, so the Lions still have a chance to cover. Um, at this point, that's all I care about. Honestly. Yeah, drive the field, get a touchdown, cover for us, and that'll be it. 
At least um, you feel a little better about the game after what was. So you're right. winning at halftime, and then you've been outscored now, what, like 21 to nothing in the second half? Something like that? Yes. So, yeah, you just need to put a drive together. Um, okay, so the other things on the Bears, the defense had a big bounce-back game. Um, the secondary still showed some signs of concern, but way improved. Eddie Jackson <laughs> actually was physical. Swift. Forced to fumble, had some like a couple good tackles. He had to run stuff. Like Eddie Jackson looked like the the all pro that he was in 2018. You need that guy to perform on that level. Um, Roquan Smith is ridiculous. He is definitely it's it's a disgrace to me that he has not been a Pro Bowler yet in his career, and that he has <laughs> yeah. never even considered in the like top five linebacker discussion because he he is there and i mean he had a 50 plus yard pick six in this game that was awesome um joe burrow throws three interceptions in a row the second one to jalen johnson who is your hits his first career interception he's it's your his second year in the league is his cornerback but first year is cornerback one Mm -hmm. um so far through two weeks um he's allowed a 67 passer rating Throw, when thrown towards him. So he could be developing to a very good cornerback, unlike Jeff Okuda. Um, <laughs> and the stats make sense for him. Like, he seems more like a lockdown guy where it's like he's not a ball hawk player who's right. going to, like, make crazy plays on the ball, have a, an interception every other week like a Jalen Ramsey, where Jalen Ramsey will get burnt, but he'll also make crazy plays. Like, right. he seems more like he's just going to play solid, fundamental and he's just not going to let guys get open very often, so they're not going to throw the ball at him. You know? Yep. So, um, so that, I mean, that was and, – and, and a lot of – you give credit to the players. Khalil Let's Mack go. had a sack. Robert Quinn had a sack. Um, Akeem Hicks had some quarterback hits. Like, you had some very um, – I don't know. It, it was it was a very encouraging sign, and you don't want to take away credit from the players. But what I will say is that I'll get, what I'll give these players is that they, uh, or sorry, what I will give the Bears is Sean Desai deserves a lot of credit. Um, he had a really bad game against the Rams, and as a defensive coordinator, he had a very good game calling schemes down there. You could see some specific movement from the line different times when he would stack hit uh, when he would stack Mac and Quinn up on the same side and it's like impossible to block both of them mm-hmm. um really freeing up some stuff the call for Eddie Jackson on the run stuff was cool, was awesome like he was making some good calls I think Sean Desai took a step forward after the Rams game and I'm not going to be too high the Bengals are not a good team the Bears are not a great team they're better than the Bengals I kind of expected them to win um and they definitely showed signs of weakness and concern. Um, but you know what? I don't think next week is an unwinnable game by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no. yeah, Facing the Browns. The Browns have a lot of questions after losing to Kansas City, barely beating the Texans. The Bears, in my opinion, are above the Texans. And I think the Bears, oh, if they yeah. come with a sound game, if they can prepare and actually plan for Justin Fields, they can have – if they can play – a near flawless game they will beat the browns um yeah i agree so i think the number came out and it's like plus eight yeah the bears and i am all over the bears with that number 
so I and I am not, you know, I'm not trying to get my hopes up or anything. I'm kind of expecting a loss here, just so mm-hmm. I can be pleasantly surprised. But I guess it, it's not crazy for me to see the Bears winning this game. Um, yep. The key will be, and this was my original event sesh. The key will be planning for Justin Fields, mm-hmm. because a lot of the offense he ran in the Bengals game was not very, didn't look very friendly to Justin Fields. There were no rollouts. Not as much play action, things where you can get him out in space and to use his legs as a weapon. Um, it's part of what you need to do. Don't make him just be a pocket passer because his ability is so far beyond that. Um, I know you want to say yeah. something, but just real quick. No, no, no. Go um, ahead. Yeah. And so, game planning for fields is important, but here's where my vent sesh was Nagy was asked, Is Dalton going to be the starter when he's healthy? And Nagy said, um, I'm not going to reveal that because that's a question of scheme. The reporter said, that's not scheme. And Nagy's like, yes, it is. (laughs) And the reporter's like, maybe personnel, but not scheme. And Nagy just ignored that response. Um, And then after the press conference was over, Instead of Nagy going back in there, he sends a Bears PR person into the press conference room to say, oh, Nagy misunderstood the question. Um, actually, Andy Dalton will be the starter if he's healthy. And it's like, okay. He couldn't even like, say it himself. Yeah. Right. So it's like, uh, first of all, the question is, is that just a bold-faced lie? Was he feeling like him saying that he's not going to reveal that is giving away that it's going to be fields. Nagy that's thinks the way you would interpret it, right? Like, yeah. Cause I'm Nagy not going to throw him under the bus, but you know, Nagy <laughs> thinks he's going to gain this great advantage against the Browns by telling them that lying to the Dalton is a starter. I don't know. So whatever that was, was crazy, but it infuriated me how he handled it. It it's frustrating that he would make that statement. I don't actually believe that Nagy would make Dalton the starter of healthy because Dalton has a bone bruise on his knee. A lot of people have been saying that's going to be like at least two to four weeks, maybe mm-hmm. with a potential up to like three to six weeks. So if he's out two, if he's out even two weeks with that, that's two full games for fields to play. You're going to tell me that after you give fields two games that you're going to then pull him and put Dalton in, that yeah. seems really foolish to me. So I don't really buy that unless Dalton's bone bruise is like super minimal and he's only out one week or something. Um, I don't know. It seems it was so stupid to me. It's frustrating because it feels like he's just saying it to try to throw the Browns off their scent, but I don't think anyone's buying it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the Bears game. Next week they play the Browns in Cleveland. Um, Plug my own show outside of this network, but full press bears this week. I've got a game recap um, tomorrow that'll be live on Twitter, and then on Wednesday I have Sir Yacht coming on to talk about the Bears mm. and the Browns. So that should be a good conversation. Nice. Really Tell looking forward to that game. Tell him I said Ohio State sucks. I will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so with that, what comments do you have about the Bears? And then you can segue into this Lions Packers game. Yeah, so I I agree with all of your thoughts. Nagy continues to just say and do head-scratching things. And it's like everything should be all 
All right, it's fourth down. Pass play from Jared Goff. Oh, my. Dropped in the end zone. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, boy. These receivers are just so bad, man. Just so bad. Who was that? Perriman. Wow. That was a good pass. Yeah, the defender did make a good play on that. That was Benson, who I've never even heard of. Great. Cedric? <laughs> I did. That's the first thing I thought of, too. That's, I don't, I just don't love the play call. If you know you're going for it on fourth down, then on third and three, you run the ball. Like, I know you're trying to save time on the clock, too, but come on. Whatever. Lions aren't going to cover. We'll get to them. Um, so, yeah, like, it, at a time when Bears fans should be super excited, Fields looks like he's going to have the start for the foreseeable future. Nagy has to come in and make it about himself and do and say stupid things. And I think it's a big test for him this week because we know it's that Fields is going to be the guy. We know that the uh, the defense took a step up. Like There's lots of things to be excited about. And the assumption is, all right, now you just need a week to game prep for Fields. But the question is, can Nagy even do that? Like, right. It's a whole, not a whole different scheme necessarily, but it's a different skill set, different strengths. You're going to, I assume, have different plays. Like, even when uh, Dalton was a starter, he said, we're going to have a package of plays for Fields, implying, like, these are plays we're going to, we think Fields gives us a better chance to run that, like, lead into his strengths. Okay, great. But is that something you've actually been able to identify and develop and can put a, new playbook together like you haven't even really shown the ability to put one effective playbook together so i think it's a it's gonna be a big test for Nagy, and i think we'll be able to tell like fields is gonna have his growing pains but like basically what the lions did at the beginning of this game which again i'll get to in a second they made a very average jared goff look really good because they schemed really well for him i mean it ended up jared goff did jared goff things and the lions just don't have the skill players to keep up, but you could see they had a game plan going into the game. Maybe they failed to adjust, but like they schemed well based on the personnel they had on the field and teams do that every week. So how can you put a scheme together that takes advantage of advantage of your strengths, hides your weaknesses, helps your rookie quarterback. Do you have plays that roll him out of the pocket? Let him go more off of instinct rather than just pure reads in the pocket. Maybe you have some quick plays that let him get the ball out of his hands quickly. You build confidence with short completions. Like these are all things you do with a rookie quarterback with that kind of skill set. The question is just is Nagy know how to do that? And yep. I mean, he knows more about football than either of us ever will. So I know he knows what to do, but that doesn't mean he's able to effectively implement it. So I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I agree with your thoughts. I think that the Bears have a re- very real shot at the Browns this Sunday. Next, I will get to the Lions. Uh, I mentioned already, I was really impressed with how the offense looked to start this game. They took a 17-14 to 14 lead into the half. Um, several long sustained touchdown drives. There's some real bright spots for the Lions on offense. The offensive line is, I mean, it's still some young players. Looked There's good, some, dude. It is, I think we're close to like, I would say the Lions offense live line is borderline elite right now. Um, and that's with Taylor Decker being out, who's probably our best player on the offensive line. For basically the whole first half of the game, 
Jared Goff had no pressure whatsoever. Um, and if they were running the ball well, and even we saw that against the 49ers, like uh, Nick Bosa, like as good as he is going against a rookie Sewell had like one pressure the whole game. So like, there's a lot to be excited about on the offensive line. Obviously TJ Hawkinson is really good, but the lack of receivers on the outside is a real issue, which started to come up later in the game as you had to make throws down the field. I really like some things you can do on offense with a good offensive line. You have a good running back duo. Both your running backs can catch out of the backfield but the only problem is it's hard to run that kind of offense when you're down two scores, you know. Um, so it's just too limited on that side of the ball. And the defense is garbage. Our defense is terrible. Uh, injuries haven't helped. And, I mean, this is just kind of like the last FU from P- Quinn and Patricia. They drafted a terrible defense. They put a terrible defensive scheme in place. And then they got rid of our good players we did have because of, like, r- minor disagreements and pride. So then we get rid of like uh, big play Slay. We get rid of uh, Quandre Diggs. Like all the actually good players we had on defense, we get rid of because they didn't know how to manage a locker room. So this defense is really bad. It's going to be bad for several years. It needs to be like I'm not impressed with the quarterback class right now. Anyway, um, coming out of college, like go get the best defensive lineman in the draft this next draft and then use the Rams first round pick and go get the best linebacker or secondary player or just defensive player in general. I would be like, spend your first five picks on defense. Like this, this team is, and then like get a receiver. If there's one there, get one in free agency. Like there's several very glaring weaknesses on this lions roster. So, um, Overall, what I've seen now through two weeks with this Lions game against the Packers wrapping up, there's been a lot to be excited about. They kept things relatively close for a lot of the game against two, what I assume are pretty good teams. Um, It's just clear that the roster is so far behind what it needs to be to really compete. Um, So, yeah, um, I guess my thoughts on that game. I'm not upset because, again, rebuilding team, expectations are low. Yep. Did I get my hopes up when we were leading at halftime against the Packers? Sure, but it doesn't hurt. As That's much called being a blow. fan, right? It, and it doesn't hurt as much to blow that lead because as it happens, I can just look objectively at this team and say, "Yeah, this roster is just not very good." Um, I look at it. I've said this a lot, but I look at it like AJ Hinch with the Tigers this year. For me, when it comes to the, the Lions coaching and front office, is show me what you can do with a bad roster, and then I'm going to feel a lot better if you're able to at least be respectable about what you can do as the roster improves. Um, But yeah, this roster, especially on defense and wide receiver, has a lot of improving to do. Um, It's just like half the guys on our defense are not NFL starters for basically any other team. They're just not NFL caliber players. So yeah, overall tonight, kind of as expected, I would have liked to cover. I feel like you should have covered after leading at halftime, but it is what it is. yeah, no other thoughts, I guess. Yeah, well, um, the NFL is is a very fun league, and it's very easy to be a fan of you know the team you have an allegiance to, um, which is why you've stuck around with the Lions for so long. Um, it's like no matter, it's like a, it's like a car wreck, right? It's like no matter how disastrous it might be, you still have to watch. Um, that's just what being an NFL fan is. 
um, at least for the Bears and the Lions, unlike if you are a privileged Wisconsin fan who yeah. doesn't know anything but success. They're they're bound for some disappointment here in the next couple of years. Oh, it's coming, yeah. Um, so, we're kind of related to the NFL. I know we have a couple NFL-related effing idiots. So I'm going to start, for me, taunting is my affinity, the taunting rule, the people who instituted it, the people who are encouraging it, that it should be placed in the NFL, is so utterly stupid to me. Because, one, it's part of the game, dude, okay? And it's irritating to me that last year, two... Bears players fought a Saints player, and in both scenarios, the Saints player like never even got in trouble with a flag or anything, and the Saints player in both scenarios was clearly taunting the Bears player. Maybe that's where this rule came from. I don't really know, but it's ridiculous to me that that happened, and now a year later, uh, to Sean Gibson on the Bears against the Bengals, he claps in a guy's face because he dropped a ball, and he gets mm. a taunting penalty. And make it worse, taunting because it's taunting, it's deemed as unsportsmanlike conduct, which means it's 15-yard penalty. So you clap in somebody's face because they dropped a ball, and now you're giving them a free first down plus. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's too much. If you really are, if you really want them to um watch out for the taunting i don't it okay here's my opinion on it you should not the taunting rule should not be something where you're going to allow it to affect the outcome of a game the here's the problem they've been fortunate it hasn't been like this yet but there's going to be a game or two or several this year where it's going to be a very close game a team is is driving the field um, the defense gets a big third down stop or even a fourth down stop with like it's a one possession game it you know t- clock is dwindling and they celebrate or they clap in the another player's face or whatever they get flagged for taunting 15 yards the other team goes on and wins like that is a preposterous thing you're literally putting you're changing the outcome of the game for a stupid penalty I think <clears throat> that you if you want it to be taken seriously then issue either suspensions or just massive fines like do away with your oh here's a one thousand dollar fine if you really want it to hurt players but not affect the game then do like okay here's a i don't know five fifty thousand dollar fine or i don't know what i don't know what is deemed a lot for these nfl players but it is just unacceptable to me that you're going to call. And the thing is, is that's another thing, just like the AP poll, just like targeting, which I know you're going to talk about in a minute. It's so subjective. Like they try to have some baselines that you can follow to say, oh, it's, you know, I have this justification or that justification. But really when it comes down to it, I mean, come on. How are you going to say that, like, 
one taunt is worthy of it and another taunt is not. And I, I, I also like to say, I think it's stupid that there's a difference between taunting and celebrations because, so I clap in a guy's face because he drops a ball. That's unsportsmanlike conduct. But if I score a touchdown and I flex or I spin the ball on the ground or I, you know, like go pick up my teammate, like, like uh, dirty dancing or whatever, like that's that's okay. That's not unsportsmanlike. I can celebrate all I want. I can be disrespectful in my celebration. I can. We can get a turnover. We haven't even scored in the game, but we have a turnover. We'll run all the way to the end zone, and we'll do a little rowboat or duck-duck-goose game, and that's acceptable. But when I clap in a player's... Lamar Jackson doing a front flip into the end zone. Yeah, but when I clap in somebody's face, oh, no, that's taunting. Oh, if I say something about their mom, oh, no, that's taunting. 15-yard penalty. That's just stupid. It doesn't make sense, and I already wish they would get rid of it. It's like the when what was like the big example in the Super Bowl, right? Tyreek Hill, where he always does the peace sign, like the deuces yeah. up thing, uh, was like what an interception off his hands or a fumble or something, yeah. and the defender did that right in his face during the Super Bowl. That's awesome. Like I don't care who you are, I don't care how big of a Chiefs fan you are. It kind of falls in like a bat flip. Oh, you're showing up the pitcher. No, you're adding some personality to the game. Like. Yep. To me, well, I also, would rather have also, that. Also, sorry, showing up the pitcher, that's your job as the batter. Yeah. Like, you're doing your job at an elite level if you're bat flipping. It's like, like oh, you can't taunt a guy because it's embarrassing. I'm pretty sure it's embarrassing that I just laid him out going across the middle of the field <laughs> on a route. Like, that's the embarrassing part. Right. You know, like, um, so no, like, it's that part's dumb. Um, I think it adds personality to the game. It lets players have an outlet. It's a very emotional and physical sport. As it long as is. you're not starting a fight, that's like an emotional outlet. Like you make a big hit, you jump up, adrenaline is pumping. If you stand over the guy, should you be flagged for that? Like I think most of these players are probably reacting out of pure adrenaline and raw emotion. They probably aren't reacting like, oh, is this considered taunting or not? Like, yeah. And taunting being that it's a brand new rule and everything – like they are not trained to, in NFL or in high school or college, like not to do that yet. Yeah. Right? And plus, yeah, it's like when you think of like what are things that justify a penalty? Like if you're endangering other people, like we're gonna get to this, but like targeting. Okay, in theory, I get that because it's potentially seriously injuring another player. Right. Sure. But what does taunting do? Like. <laughs> You know, it doesn't, it's not bad for the sport. It doesn't, if you start a fight and somebody throws a punch, okay, throw a flag for throwing a punch. That's clearly unsportsmanlike, unnecessary, and inappropriate. But what, for jawing after you make a play? Like, yeah, it's soft. It takes, uh, it takes the natural energy and the flow of the game out of the sport. And it, it's so subjective that it once again puts another big part of the game in the ref's hands. Um, yep. And what do you see? Like, hey, I saw this guy make a comment to another guy, but you don't saw, see what happened before that. Um, it just leaves too much open area for something to be misunderstood or only seen partially, and then penalties given unfairly. I just, yeah, it's a bad rule. It's too soft of a rule. Keep it for extreme situations if you're going to have anything like that at all. So. I 110% agree with you. 
And um, you look back at like the NBA. I know it's a different sport, but like Allen Iverson stepping over Ty Lue, freaking amazing. Uh, Shaq dunking and like smearing his balls over the front of that. Scottie Pippen dunking over Patrick. Yeah, those are awesome moments. Yeah, and it's like, no, you know what we should do? We should try to remove those from the sport. Yep. You know, it just it doesn't make any sense. So Mm -hmm. no, taunting is awesome. I think, and I would rather see that because it's a more natural celebration than hey, let's go do our scripted end zone celebration where you all pretend to be bowling pins and I somersault. It's just like (laughs) to me, I still think you should be able to do that. I just think it's cheesy and not cool. I think if you stand over a guy that you just made a big play on and, like, look down on him, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> that's badass, you know? And it's like taking that out. It, are you trying to protect that guy's ego? Are you trying to stop things from escalating into fights? Like, how often do fights break out on the field to justify that? Is it somehow an injury threat? Obviously not. So it just it does not make any sense to me. I totally agree. So I know for UF an idiot, you have targeting, and that's more college football, but let's hear what yeah. you got to say about and that. And I won't say as much on this because it hasn't been as relevant as recently. Um, the taunting was a huge, like, noticeable issue over this past weekend. But I put targeting, too, because that continues to be an issue in college. Um, I mean, you see this. I think it was happened in the Penn State-Auburn game, like a guy – a player falling down, a defender dives towards him and turns his back and like hits him with his back as he's still in the, the, as the offensive player is still in the air and that's targeting. Like I just I don't understand. I really don't understand. If it's not clearly malicious and you're not leading with the crown of your helmet into their helmet, I know they'll like there'll be some plays they'll say, "Oh, he's leading with the crown of his helmet and he hits the guy in his back." It's like, uh, I get it, because you're trying to discourage the guy from using his head as a weapon, but that wasn't malicious, and it wasn't a hard enough or brutal enough hit to me that I don't think that's the spirit of what that rule is really supposed to be. Or you'll see a guy hit somebody with their shoulder, and it's okay, that's still targeting, even though you didn't use your head, because they're a defenseless player. Okay, well, if you're a wide receiver, and you catch a ball going across the middle of the field, and the safety meets you in the middle... Okay, what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to slow up because he knows, okay, he's going to be defenseless when he catches this. I need to give him some time to establish himself. Like, what are you supposed to do as a safety in that situation? You know, like, mm-hmm. it's just there's too many times when it is literally impossible to avoid the contact that's being flagged. So, um, yeah, targeting is a dumb rule. I think that it's good to have a targeting and a penalty because if you have somebody who's being malicious – yeah, they sh- they need to be ejected from the game, and it needs to be a big penalty. Um, but it shouldn't always be an ejection if it's targeting. It's not always malicious. And what is targeting needs to be reexamined because um, I think it's just too – I don't know. I think by trying to not kill the sport through injury, you're killing the, the quality of the sport, and it's yep. not really any better. So. Yep. Well, both of those are definitely things that are detriment to the sport that we love. Um but something that's also detriment to the sport we love is um, sometimes betting. <laughs> it's a good thing. We enjoy it. It brings a new level of entertainment for us. I know this Packers-Lions game I ended up kind of enjoying because of parlay that I hit I was very proud of, mm-hmm. um, which I'll get into here in a minute. But on our new segment, the journey of being a better better. Everybody's always talking at me. Everybody's trying to get in my head. 
I don't think you should be doing too much gambling tonight, Alan. Gambling? The same thing about gambling. It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Either way, it, you gotta be super smart to count cards, buddy, okay? Oh, really? It's not easy. Okay, well, maybe we should tell that to Rain Man, because he practically bankrupted the casino and he was a retard. We like to talk about what we've done this week that was good bets, bad bets, what, who's our stock up on and down uh, this NFL season. So um, I'll start. Um, my best bets of the week were Texans plus 13. I just had a mm-hmm. gut feeling that it was going to be a messy game in Cleveland, and it was, and the Texans covered. Um, Kyler Murray, I had a booster, 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Easily covered that with him. Um, I had Bears minus two, and Bama, Florida, over 59.5. Both of those were pretty easy money for me. And then tonight, this one was more of a risk, but I was really proud of it. Um, I had a same-game parlay of Tanyan and Hawkinson each to score a touchdown, and then Hawkinson over 50 yards receiving, and that hit tonight. That was a big win That's for me. That's a really nice bet. <laughs> yeah, thank you. To pick both teams' tight ends to have touchdowns, the big pick. <clears throat> my worst bet of the week, let me try to look at my settled bets here. Um, I mean, one of the most disappointing ones was like, you and I both were on the Dak Prescott booster that was 250-plus yards and the Cowboys to win. Prescott was like 13 yards short of that. I had Matthew, Cowboys money line by far was supposed to be the hardest part of that, <laughs> that boost. I had Matthew Stafford, 300-plus passing yards and Rams win. Stafford ended up like 20 yards short of that for me. Um, so just some close calls that were frustrating. Um I had a three-leg parlay of the Bears minus two, Broncos minus six, and Saints minus three. Mm. And the Saints screwed that up. Saints one was rough. And then also, I was very locked on Cardinals minus four. And even though the Cardinals won, they did not cover that. And so that was very disappointing for me. Um, I think I saw today underdogs now through two weeks are, I think, 22 and 10, something like that, covering the spread. Wow. Uh, I don't know if the numbers even add up. 32, 16 times 2 now. Yeah, somewhere around that. But, like, well over. Yeah, double. Well, it should probably be... It probably was not 22 and 10 because tonight was the 16th. I think tonight makes it 22 and 10, even with the loss. I think it was, like, 22 and 9. Okay. If that's right. Um, I don't so know. Those are my best and worst bets. And then my stock up after this week... I hate to do this because I did this last year and it was annoying. I but I am yep. I'm on the Raiders bandwagon right now. <laughs> um, man, yeah, they, they've looked good. They have looked very good, um, <laughs> beating the Ravens and the Steelers back to back weeks. Those are some tough opponents, and they handled both of them. They handled the Steelers pretty handily, I would say. Um, the Ravens yep. was a close call, but they won that one. I don't know. I don't know who the Ravens are or who the Raiders play next week. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find. Let's see if we can find that out. Uh, Dolphins. Yeah, I'm gonna be on the Raiders all down. the way. What's the line? 
Uh, I just looked up. I just Googled their schedule. Let oh. me check. Um, early lines are coming out. So if you're listening now, like now's a good time to get your bets in. Um, because these lines are going to move a lot. So we've got the Raiders. Um, are they a primetime game? I don't even see them. Do they have a bye week? No, I said the 26th, I thought. But I don't see them on here either. Maybe mm. their line's not out. Well, I'm. Who, uh, either way, I'm going to take them over the Dolphins for sure. I The line might not be out because to uh, his injury status might not mm. be known yet. I bet that's why that's not showing. Whether Tua plays or not, I'm taking the Raiders all the way. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very fair. high I'm very high on the Raiders all of a sudden after two weeks. Um the tough one for me will be week five when the Bears visit Las Vegas. Mm. Probably gonna have to take the Raiders for financial purposes, but obviously <laughs> fan purposes don't love that. And then yeah. the teams I'm down on, the Saints are a big disappointment after crushing the Packers in week one. Thank you for doing that. Um but you, if you're going to go away now, just go away so I don't have to lose money on you. Right. And I, I, you and I have been opposite on this the whole preseason leading up to this, and I'm still on an opposite side than you. I have the Niners as downtrend for me. Um, you So more so than they were last week or just overall? More so than they were last week and both and overall. So after like, beating the Eagles, you're, you're more negative <laughs> on this? Dude. I mean, the, yeah, I don't think the Eagles are good. Okay. For everybody that's saying the Niners are a Super Bowl contender, you yeah. played a one-possession – you had a one-possession win over the Lions, and you had a one-possession win over the Eagles, and you only scored 17 against the Eagles. Yeah. And what do you make of that defense? They allowed 11 points to the Eagles only, but they allowed 33 to the Lions. Like, what do you make of this team? It's really hard to say – yeah. I'm not. I'm still the dirt. The jury is very much still out on the Niners for me, um, and I, I do not buy them. Like when when I look at what the Cardinals have been doing, and what the Rams have been doing, the Niners for me are definitely like the third best team, maybe even fourth best in that division. Like I think you can make that argument at this point. Yeah. So the Cardinals have been impressing me more than I thought they would. So it'll be very interesting to see what how things transpire. Um, I'm not saying the Niners are necessarily a bad team, but if within that division, they're, they might be the worst team in that division. And the Niners, my point here is, I'm not saying I'm down on them like they are a bad team. I'm saying I'm down on them because compared to what a lot of people's expectations are for them, mm-hmm. they're not meeting those expectations, in my opinion. It's fair. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, okay. So I'm going to get into some of my picks, um, best and worst bets. I loved the Cowboys bet, and uh, I think I said, which I didn't lock this. My lock was also right, Broncos minus six, but that one felt like it was the easier one. I'm going to be betting against the Jaguars, I think, every every game this year. Um, but I know Cowboys as an underdog, I really liked. Uh, everybody was high on the Chargers, but I that ended up working out really well. I live bet the Cardinals. Um, thankfully, I didn't bet them before. This was one of those times. Sometimes it burns me doing this. Uh-huh. Um, this is one of the rare times it worked out where I wait. They go down 7 nothing. I live bet the cards plus 3. Or maybe they were down 14-7. I know they were down a touchdown. And I live bet them and get them plus 3. Uh, so that worked out, obviously. Um, 
I should have just bet the money line, but that was good. Um, bets I hated, even in hindsight, looking back, Miami, Dolph, like the, the, I don't know why. I overthought this one. So I had looked at how successful underdogs had been, and they still are. Uh, but I was like, all right, let me just try to identify a spot that I think an underdog. And, it, like, there were times, like, yeah, one example was the Panthers did it. Like, there were teams that did that, uh, the Ravens. But I just picked the wrong one, and I picked the team that got killed the worst uh, with the Dolphins. They are not a good team, and Tua sucks. Um, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. And I this one, I'm really out on the Chiefs. Like, they are now on my – they're on a one-year suspension. I'm not betting the Chiefs against the spread the entire rest of the year. And I want you to hold me to that, like on the scorecast too. If I bet Chiefs against the spread, I want you to tell me you're not allowed to do that. You promised you wouldn't. Um, I am not I can, that in. I compete with you in the scorecast, so I will encourage you to do that. <laughs> like I'll, okay, I'll bet an over under. Maybe I'll throw them in as a money line on a, like a parlay as one of the legs on a parlay. I am not betting them against the spread. This team just actively refuses to cover a spread, and it's been yeah. going on. It's like all of last year it was the yep. same. Um, it's just it's a joke at this point you let bad teams hang around week after week after week watching this team try to pull out a win against the spread is like watching Antonio Cromartie pull out like it just doesn't work ever um, <laughs> it, I'm completely out on the Chiefs like string together 10 against the spread wins in a row and like prove me wrong but even then I'm not gonna like this whole year I'm just out I just emotionally cannot do it um, so I'm completely down on the Chiefs against the spread. I don't care who they're playing or where they're playing. Um, so looking back at, uh, see here, um, stock up, stock down. Again, Cowboys, I got to go stock up for them after covering back-to-back weeks. Uh, same, I'm going to be stock up on the Texans. Like I thought they were probably the worst team in football. After the first couple weeks, I think they're better than the Jets. I think they're better than the Jags. I think they're better than possibly the Lions. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's now probably four or five teams that the Texans might be better than, as much as their front office is still a disaster. Uh, Davis Mills and the Texans are going to surprise some people this year. So, um, I mean, they're 2 0 against the the starter. I I think he is now with Tyrod out. Holy crap. Davis Mills. (laughs) <laughs> davis mills the cereal brand uh yeah no it's just it's exciting because they're so bad and it's i i don't think it'll last but anytime a team that it was considered to be that bad starts off two and oh against the spread and won one of those games straight up uh i mean your stock is definitely up from where it started um i gotta be up on the raiders too i won't i mean i agree with everything you said it's tough because of what they did to us last year but at this point, you have to say stock up. Um, uh, I'm going to say I know they didn't cover. I'm stock up on the Cardinals. I think I, they're like a they're like high an power version of the Chiefs. Like yeah. high power offense, maybe some concerns on defense. But they, I honestly think their defense might be better than the Chiefs. I don't think they're as well coached. But I, I mean, I think they're a solid team. Yep. Um, so I think the Cardinals are going to be impressive this year, win some games. I'm also stocked down on the Washington football team. That's an embarrassing performance against a really bad Giants team. Your defense, was, which is supposed to be the best part of your team, has been very bad through two weeks. Um, down on Washington. Let me do a quick sweep through here. 
Patriots. I'm not going to overreact. You played the Jets. The Jets are terrible. Um, I already said the Raiders. Panthers. I think that's more about the Saints being inconsistent. I need to see yeah. more from the Panthers. But, I mean, there's some reasons to be optimistic there. I guess that's basically it. Um, nothing else really shocked me. I think the Titans got a solid win against the Seahawks, but it's going to take more than that after what they did to me week one to get back on board. So, yeah, those are some early thoughts. Um, yeah, biggest disappointment to me is the Chiefs, and I will not let them do that to me again. <laughs> well, let's jump right into our next segment, our one of our final segments on this episode here today, and that is 20 questions. So we're doing seven minutes still, right? Why don't you yeah. let me get my doc up here? Because I've got to get like the Wikipedia page and stuff. Um, so why don't you introduce where, what segment we're doing and what the score is currently? So we are doing 20 questions. Um, last week, Man Michigan Hat did um, 20 questions. He's the only one that he, he was the guesser. So this week, I'm the guesser. Next time we do 20 questions, we'll both go again. Um, but the rec- uh, the current score is seven to five with Man Michigan Hat in the lead. Um, however, he's gone one extra time. So in theory, if I can have a good showing, I should have a decent chance to at least tie, if not surpass him, um, to make the score more interesting. The way twenty questions works is we have um, we have twenty questions to figure out who the other person has selected. Um, must be yes or no questions only. We've also set a time limit for seven minutes. So you have seven minutes to, um, yeah, you only have seven minutes to get your questions in. If the timer expires, you automatically drop down to negative five, I believe. Wasn't that what we said? Yes. Yeah. If you get your last one right, then you're just negative four. Right, so it, when in the game, we even though it's twenty questions, we allow you to go up to twenty-five questions, um, w- because it, part of the game is you accrue negative points. So, if you happen to guess the correct answer on your twenty-fifth question, you get one point back for that, and you end up only with negative four on that score. But every question you have remaining on the positive side is a question is a point. So. If you have 16 questions and you guess it, then you get four points added to your total. Um, that's more or less the game. Uh, I don't think we've really determined what we're playing to, but we will, and there will be a prize or a punishment eventually. Oh, that reminds me. Speaking of punishment, for cap, no cap, I've got an idea okay. for a punishment. I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. I just wanted to throw it out there. Um, I'm thinking about potentially... Your punishment being I get a hand right, like maybe three tweets for you that you have to tweet during 
either Bears Lions or just during Bears post games or like at some point probably something slandering Justin Fields or praising Matt Nagy like something like that and just have you tweet it with no explanation um that's that's really fun (laughs) I'm not positive but I'm leaning towards that something like uh man this offense would be so much more effective under the strong leadership of Mitch Trubisky or you know something like that I have Um, (laughs) I have enough Bears like followers that would see you've built up a decent bears following at this point to where like people see your post game comments and everything yeah mainly my in-game comments like if i'm watching an in like during the game i post something i'll get like you know somewhere between like four and eight likes on it depending on what it is i think what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna hand write you a tweet maybe once a week for the next few weeks and let all what i'll do is i'll send you the tweet at some point, I'll probably wait for a commercial break or halftime or like right post after the game, and I'm just gonna copy the tweet, send it to you, and say post this now, and then. So yeah, how, I don't know. Wait, thinking about it. Okay, so make a determination on how many weeks you're gonna do that, okay. and then the other question. It won't be like the whole season or anything. It'd probably be like, I'm thinking maybe. So when's the Lions game? It's after this next one. Week four, yeah. All right, so maybe this week and then Lions week. So two. Okay. Or maybe I'll just do like one and then save it for Lions Week. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So my question is, is there a certain amount of time I need to wait before I can try to justify why I said that? In other words, telling the truth. Like, <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> I think you wait like 24 hours. Like I don't know if it's that long. I'd say probably like end of that day. Okay. Like, if you tweet this after a game, then, like, once the nighttime NFL game starts, you're good. You know, like, you just have to go through that slate of games. Like, the next one, give people plenty of time to react to it. Just, I, I the, the thing is, is, I'm curious, like, I'm curious how many will react compared to... Well, I'm going to retweet it. I'm going to retweet it from every account I, I have. I know, I'm, I'm sure gonna you I'm going to try to stir up drama. Uh, I'm I mean, gonna tag people underneath it. I kind like, of can you believe he said that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I'll do my part for sure. I, I mean, in fairness, like my, my other accounts, I'm fine retweeting it there too because I I mean, <laughs> I look at it as an opportunity for publicity. But yeah, it, it's funny. Yeah, it's I'd also love for it to like cringy. something to go viral. It'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, Okay. Yeah. Maybe something about like, man, just imagine how much different things could be if we had drafted so and so instead of fields. Like, it'll be some. Yeah. Don't tell Which me. I need some like, time to think yeah. through. Yeah. And it might it might be something that comes to you like, <laughs> ran, like during like it might be something you have to see something happen in the game right to trigger in your head what to say. So let's go ahead and say that's going to be the punishment. Okay. Um, I think let's do two tweets. So Browns one, week and Lions week. Brown week, one Lions week, and then we're done. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, you made me drink a whole bottle of relish, so two <laughs> tweets is fair. Um, <laughs> um, I know. I mean, I, I agree think, with you on that. Let, let's do that. Fair. And then I will come up with something in 140 characters, and I'm going to get my money's worth with those characters. It's more than um, that now on Twitter, but yeah, is it really? It's like 240, 280, oh, something wow. like that. Okay. Um, Images, yeah, gifts, will, whatever, dude. Like, yeah, I will copy up a nice tweet for you this game week. Um, I don't know if I'll have it. I'll probably have it be like during the game because I feel like that's when you'll get the most traffic on it. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, whatever hashtags you want me to put, yeah. Okay. 
Sounds good. Well, that's what we will do. If you're listening to the show, that's the sneak peek. So you'll you'll be in the know when everyone else isn't. Uh, and I'm going to try to maybe not make it so obvious that everyone knows you're just like so if somebody reads it and they're like, oh, he's being sarcastic. It kind of loses right. the right. I need right, right. to come across as you being serious. So that's where it comes on me to put the in the right. Yeah, verbiage. I need to like do a, re- a good job on this, but I, I feel good. So. All right, let's see how it Very goes. Good. All right, so twenty right. questions. Anyway, yep. Um, let me get my timer going. Seven minutes, twenty questions. You're, you're typing up your questions yeah. as you go, right? Yep. Okay. Starting now. All right. All right. Is this a, a is this a professional athlete? Yes. Are they current? Yes. Do they play? One of the four major sports in America. Yes. All right. Um, do they wear cleats for their sport? Yes. Okay. Um, is it? Do they play baseball? No. Okay. Do they... <clears throat> have they played for one of our four football teams? No. Okay. Um are they no are they an offensive player? Yes. Are they an offensive lineman? No. Okay. Tight end. No. Running back? No. Quarterback? Yes. Okay. Uh AFC. Are they yes. currently are they currently in the AFC? No. Okay. Hmm. That just counts as one, two. I should have clarified. I have a two. I have a guess actually. Okay. Are you going to count it as a guess or are you just thinking out loud? No, I'm going to count it as a guess. Is it Cam Newton? No. Oh. Guess Cause he's not – like, he's a <laughs> right. current player, but he's a free agent. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is question 14. I've got, pl- I've got five minutes, so I've got plenty of time. Yep. All right. So not AFC currently. Is he a starter? Not currently. Hmm. I'm run. I'm just trying to run through options in my head right now. Um, good question. Jeez, I'm like. Now I'm like just struggling to think of people because now I have to think of backups. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Unless, is it Taysom Hill? No, that's a good uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big name. So, all right. Big name backup. I mean, I have another guess, but I'm going to hold on a second while I think about this. So it could be Fitzmagic. 
Could be Nick Foles. Um, Doesn't play for one of our teams. What's that? Doesn't play for one of our oh, teams. That's true. I did say that. Um, so then that lose a lot Chase Daniel. I'm trying to think of like what backups I'm aware of. Like, two, is Tua a backup now that he's injured? Like... I wouldn't say so. Like that's it, they're clearly the backup. <clears throat> Fitzpatrick's like all that's coming to my brain right now. It sucks. Um, so who's behind Dak right now? I don't even know. I don't either. Actually. And who's behind Hertz? I don't know. Wow, this is not going great for me. Because um, they're not in the AFC currently. It's a big enough name. Just go ask other questions and don't worry about current backups. Because it's well, it's up to you either way. But <clears throat> well, hmm. <sighs> All right, let's do this. Um. Do they play in the NFC West? No. They do not play in the NFC West. Um, They never have either. I was just looking to. They don't currently, but they also never have. NFC South. No. Uh, man, I'm really running out my questions more than I wanted to. Um... All right, NFC East. Yes. So, I mean, it's got to be Fitzpatrick. It has to be. I mean, because, again, Hurts, I don't – I can't even think of who Hurts' backup is. I can't think of who the Giants' backup is. And I can't think of who Dak's backup is. All I got is – is it Fitzpatrick? No. Oh, crap. <laughs> So yeah, if you don't know that he's their backup, it's Wait. like you definitely know who this is. But if you just had no idea he was their backup, it doesn't really help. Hold on a um, <laughs> it's a really big name player. <laughs> All right, so this is question twenty. So I'm really okay. All right, let, let's really rack my brain here. How much time do I got? I've got fifty seconds. Okay. Um, Did they win a Super Bowl? Yes. Oh, is it Joe Flacco? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> Good job. Right, Did you so know he was the backup for Jalen Hurts? No. <laughs> he signed to a one-year deal this offseason. Yeah. All right. I so think he is officially the backup, though. He's not like third string. Unfortunately, I got negative one on that. So Shane currently is you seven to hold that out better than i thought though there towards the end so well, thank you. i thought you were gonna have to go down to the negative five so i was really proud of my cam newton guess because you were that was like, a good early guess because yeah. i said afc afc you said you said yes and i said i said i mean currently afc and you mm -hmm. said no and i was like well cam newton is a current player he did yep. play in the afc but he doesn't currently and that because be a he's a 
tricky one because he's agent. a free agent. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a good one. Taysom Hill, because I was like, he's technically a quarterback, but a lot of times you don't think of him as a quarterback, but he is a backup. What like, I was worried about was you guessing quarterback early on and then guessing did they win a super bowl because then it gets to that whole like i should afc quarterbacks who've won a super bowl it's like roethlisberger brady manning and him yeah are like the only ones so if you guess <clears throat> afc quarterback and then guess did they win a super bowl that would have really narrowed it down i took the chance though on it because he's a backup and like a lot of people probably don't even know he's still in the league anymore <laughs> me apparently because he was on the jets last year yeah um and i know he like actually played a little bit but then like nobody knows he's the eagles backup so yeah all right cool yeah i'll take that was a weird one though because you don't think of him when you think of backup quarterbacks like right (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was so nervous when i said fitzpatrick i was like that's all i've got i I can't even think of couldn't even right i would it would if I had to pick like a really obscure like oh this guy they drafted a year ago in the eighth round or whatever you know like so the one yeah. I thought of this actually doesn't make sense with some of my other guesses but when NFC West at one point I was like maybe he's going Trey Lance because like mm-hmm. Trey Lance is technically the backup but he's you know everyone knows he's going to be the starter so maybe I wouldn't yeah. think of him in that way or whatever justin fields right even though he's the starter now so i could have said he's yes he's a starting quarterback (laughs) true jordan all right yeah all right well i look forward to the next time because i need to try to make up some ground Um, next time maybe since it goes by so quick we can plan to just do both in the next one yeah yep so last the last time i tried to get you to guess i was too cute and doing amon ross st brown i was like Mm -hmm. the I was taking, hoping that it was going to be obscure enough, but it was not. So I might have to go back into my my brain a little bit and think about what I'm going to do. But <laughs> yeah, um, right, but cool. I think it's time for us to air our final grievances. You fool! I've been trained in your juggernauts by Count Dooku. <laughs> I will run through mine very quickly. Firstly, the paperwork I am doing to potentially buy a new house. Where have we heard this before in the past couple weeks? So you know how much of a pain this is. So basically, we've been thinking about buying a new house maybe like end of this year, early next year. We decided to just kind of start the process, see what how much is left on our loan, get pre-approved, all that, because there's a house that's kind of like a family friend owns it, could potentially be looking to sell it here soon, and it's a really good deal. So maybe that would accelerate things, and if so, then maybe we'd be looking to sell our house and buy a new one like in the next few weeks. So <laughs> I don't know, which would be wild, because yeah, um, we have nothing packed at all, so... Um, Again, we'd have to look at our options and stuff, but it's just such a pain dealing with the bank. They need to see all your previous forms. They want you to fax it over, which is stupid. It's like, 
what year is this? You know, <laughs> I have a phone with a camera on it. So, uh, I mean, thankfully, there's apps. You can take a picture and, like, convert it to a PDF. Yeah. So, it looks like you actually scanned it. So, um, it's just a pain to deal with all the paperwork, pre-approval, your credit checks. Like, yeah, just the worst. They so, that's know, annoying. They want to know, like, everything personal about you. Yeah. Please count your pubic hairs and, uh, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So... That's annoying. My my Wi-Fi here at the house, this is my next grievance, is garbage. Thankfully, it hasn't been an issue tonight. But if you remember our show maybe two weeks ago, it was constantly cutting in and out. And here at the house, I almost always have Wi-Fi off on my phone, which it's like, what am I paying for? I have unlimited data, so I never use the Wi-Fi. But I still pay for the Wi-Fi. And then I get my data throttled because I'm always on data. Um, so at the end of the month, my phone is super slow. Um, it's just stupid. But my internet here at the house barely ever works. Um, it's just it's slower than using data on my phone. So it's ridiculous. Um, last vent or airing of grievance is I have a raccoon that's living in the attic above my garage, which thankfully is separated from the attic above my house because it was an add-on. There's a divider in between. But I... We were coming home, and I was on the porch, and I heard a rustling noise about a foot away from my head. And there's, like, this little sloped roof close enough to reach out and grab it. This fat raccoon is staring at me and then crawls through a hole up into the garage that I could see. Um, so if we sell the house, I'm not just, just going to ignore it. And, uh, yeah, whoever the new owner is, be warned this house comes with a roommate because um, I really <laughs> don't want to try to figure out how to get this thing out of there. Um so, I mean, I guess that's the solution. You have a, you a rodent just, problem or an animal problem, you just sell your house. You should just get your shotgun and go in and just start shooting up into the garage <laughs> attic. No joke, my first thought was, should I get my gun and try to shoot it? And I was like, no, I should not shoot a hole in my roof. And the next thought I had was, could I have some kind of, like, grenade or bug bomb? And I, like, pop the hatch in the garage and just lob it up in there. <laughs> it's like, that probably would that not would work awesome. either. So, so far, those are my best two ideas. Um, so, I've still come up with a third idea, which I think is just to sell the house. So <laughs> That seems like the easiest option. <laughs> That's yeah. the easiest of the three. I can go, go up. I Like, what I should do, honestly, I should open the garage. Like, there's a, like, one of those attic doors you pop open and the ladder falls down. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to strip down to only my boxers. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm gonna w go up in there, com like cover yourself in bologna or something. Yeah, <laughs> completely barehanded, slathered in bacon grease. And I'm gonna <laughs> look up in there. I'm gonna say, only one of us is leaving here alive. And I'm gonna shut myself in there with him. <laughs> Last man to survive wins. Uh, I think that'd be the honorable way to try to take care of this problem. <laughs> go up there. <laughs> fight to the death in a dark attic i mean honestly the easiest way would actually be to probably just go buy a trap we actually already have a trap so that oh, definitely okay. be the easiest way <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i don't want to put it on the roof because it gets stuck in the trap and then starts flopping around and that trap's gonna drop 10 feet which would solve my problem um <laughs> but that'd be a pretty brutal way to kill a wreck <laughs> uh, stuck in like a death trap cage plummeting to the ground <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, it's better than what my grandpa used to do. My grandpa, he would catch <laughs> raccoons and squirrels, and uh -huh. he would take them while still in the cage, and he had, like, a big, like, you know, 50-gallon garbage can or whatever. 
he'd fill it with water and then lower the thing into the water. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) And then he'd slowly raise it back up and let them catch their breath and then lower it again. (laughs) He drowned them in a cage? (laughs) Yeah, he did. That is hardcore. And then then he would drive them over to the nearby forest preserve and throw their bodies into the forest. He could have done that while they were alive. (laughs) He just wanted to drown them? What? He's a Packers fan. That explains a lot. That is (laughs) wild, dude. Actually, And then just out of spite, he goes and releases them into the (laughs) wild after they're drowned. That's, um, that's electric. <laughs> well, I respect just, that. Well, <laughs> to give him a justification, he was, he was born in, in 1939, and he was a farmer. And farmers are like anal about rodents invading their farm and eating their crops and stuff like it's that. It's not even killing the raccoon. That's wild. Like that's crazy to me. Like that's just <clears> the more convenient thing. But the fact that you drown it and then still take it out to a preserve. So now it's not convenient at all. You just you just spent more time drowning <laughs> this thing. <laughs> I just have some questions. <laughs> that's well, uh, so like wow, one time something. we had a rabid possum in our backyard and Jeez. we um <clears throat> This is when I was a kid, and my dad went out. Did you chop all his fingers off with pliers one by one? (laughs) No, but my dad went out there, and my dad was like, like, my dad didn't know exactly, like, he he knew he, like, needed to kill it, Mm -hmm. but, like, he didn't know, like, if he could do it. Like, my dad was like, I... I've never done this before, like, killed a living thing before. How old was he? Was he a kid living at home? Or? No, I was a kid. Okay, so you're just visiting the house. No, there, my I dad. Guess. No, your dad just went back to see him and had to take care of this or whatever while you're... This is at... No, this is at my childhood home. I'm growing up. I'm a child. It's like Saturday morning. We wake up. There's No, that's so what I'm saying. Your dad's an adult. Yes. <coughs> but it's not... Oh, okay. It's not My parents are married. You're making this sound like my dad came over to the house. Like, like he's not normally there. Anyway, um, so we ended up having a recycling bin over it with, like, some bricks to, like, just keep it there in yeah. one spot. And my mom called her dad, my grandpa, the farmer, the raccoon drowner. And so he comes over, he comes over with um, a taser. No, with a big like spade shovel, <laughs> and, and just beat it to death. No, um, I remember my mom made sure we weren't watching, but I'm pretty sure he like like beheaded the thing or something. Holy! <laughs> so he constructed a guillotine. <laughs> so basically, wow. what I'm saying is, my grandpa is awesome and maybe troubling, depending on where you look, come from with it. But, this episode is brought to you by PETA. Yeah. <laughs> PETA would not like my grandpa, but... That one doesn't seem that crazy to me, because, like, people will kill snakes by, like, chopping their head off with a shovel and stuff. Drowning them in a cage is... That's pretty bananas, dude. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm just imagining slowly lowering it, too. Probably, like, reciting a pre-prepared speech for it. Right. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. 
<laughs> it's fun. Well, I remember my mom. Plenty of new ideas. So. I remember my mom telling me that for the first time that he drowns them, and it didn't even like register with me exactly at first. And then I thought about it some more about like what it would be like to watch something drown, and I was kind of like, "Whoa." <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't think of just, like, oh, that happened. I think, like, what it would be like to do that. And I'm like, that is hardcore standing <laughs> above this trash can, watching it drown in a cage like a a shark tank diver <laughs> in his cage. You just you know? stop seeing bubbles come to the surface. You're like, well, it's done. My job here is done. Yeah. <laughs> you lift the cage up. Oh, not yet. Drop it back in. <laughs> it's like a tea bag. You, like, slowly dip it down in the water. <laughs> Well, all right. So I think you should try some raccoon tea at your house. Yeah, speaking of soups, we like. (laughs) Wow. Um, All right, then. Well, that's all my grievances. (laughs) So on my grievances, I'm behind on grading, and with as a teacher, the it's impossible to like ever catch up because unless you like take your work home, which I try to avoid at all costs. Because every day you're assigning something new to work on. So every day there's more work. So when you fall behind, there just continues to be more. And it just continues to be a big pile. And the only way you ever get it done is, like, the day before grades are due. And that's because you're in, like, desperation mode. Um, Because every day you're assigning enough to create a new day's worth of work. Exactly. Exactly. It's brutal. (laughs) It is brutal. And because my kids have been sick... And I had a conference I was I went to on or it was a Zoom conference and stuff like I've in the past week I missed three days of school. And so that's three days that I'm assigning stuff for my kids to do with the sub, but now I have to grade those things. And I wasn't even there to have time to grade because I was dealing with my sick kids and I was doing a Zoom conference. So like it's it's a no win situation. Some one of these days I'm going to like just buckle down and like just i'm gonna make my kids read all day and just like guys i'm grading because <laughs> you yeah. get you have to as a teacher because otherwise you're just treading water the whole year yeah you so, just hang <laughs> over you the whole time yeah. just do what i did when i was a teaching assistant in school at our college my pr- professor told me to do this as i graded papers he said hey I, all right anyone who has an a because they were like like budget stuff they had to cut my hours so he's like all right you only can do it like teaching assistant stuff for me for like six hours a week now there's no way i could grade like all 40 papers that week he said just anyone who has an a in the class give them an a on their final paper don't even read it it's like oh that's cool yeah like way to just mail it in um i mean i feel like especially in college where you're paying for classes like you could argue yeah you're just gonna give them an a anyway so you're not hurting them but yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way. So, yeah, um, you could always do that. My other grievance is the my tile floor. So a lot of my house upstairs is a tile floor, and the problem with tile is that it's ceramic and it can crack. And I've already noticed on the kitchen tile, I dropped a Tervis cup like several mm. weeks ago. But there's a crack from where it dropped, and the crack has spread to two other tiles already. It's a hairline crack. Like, you probably wouldn't notice it unless I pointed it out to you. I'm not even sure if my wife has noticed it. But I know it's there, (laughs) and it's frustrating, and I want to get a kitchen rug ASAP so I can cover it up. Um, You should try to put something on the crack. Put something up in the crack, if you know what I mean. 
to like seal it so it doesn't crack further. Is there actually something I should do with that? I actually don't know, but it sounded like that would be a thing. I know you were <laughs> doing it legit. for a joke, but I no, like wonder. I know there are for like windshields. That like I did actually think that there might be a thing because like a windshield, if you have a crack, you put like a filler in, and it stops it from cracking further. There might be like a thing you put at the edge of it to stop it from cracking more. I'm not sure. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. My last grievance, I wrote trannies. Oh yeah. Um. So unfortunately, because you're probably hoping I have something real interesting and yeah let's get into to say it. what i have to say is that tranny is also just another oh, word for yeah. transmission um oh. so the transmission thing is frustrating with my car because so this is twice again so in march i had to get it replaced or sorry end of february i had to get it replaced and then end of august had to get it replaced mm-hmm. and What's frustrating in both scenarios is that in February, I took it in on like February like 24th and I did not receive my van back in working condition until like March 26th. Mm -hmm. And then this, this van or the second time it happened, it happened on August 29th and the transmission piece was supposed to be into the shop. By Friday the 17th, I got a call that day with an update. It's not there yet. I'm expecting it on Monday, which is today as we're recording the 20th. Hopefully, I can pick it up this Wednesday the 22nd um, or Thursday the 23rd. But it's frustrating because you're looking at like another month of waiting for this. And I just think about people that have one car. How can you... I, I know that like it's a COVID world and that everything seems to be in low dem- low supply. But how... Mm-hmm. A car is an essential thing for people to have. And what if people have one car and their transmission goes out? Now they have to rent a car for a month? Like that is no insurance is going to cover that. And I already looked into rentals and insurance will only cover rental if it's a covered like accident. Like if you had an accident and your car is in the repair shop, then yeah, they'll help cover some of your rental. But not when it's my own for like, maintenance it, yeah it's just yeah. a maintenance thing so mm-hmm. then i'd be paying out of pocket for multiple weeks for a rental that and that doesn't even include then the cost of the repair like it seems really unreasonable it, it feels like and i'm not blaming the transmission shop because i really like this place that it's at i'm just saying there has to be something done where there can be an evaluation of person's needs to get their car fixed like Mm -hmm. we don't need it because we do have a second car we have that privilege but again if we had one car and that was our only car we'd be screwed right now Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm very frustrated by that and then the other thing was uh the our other car like so a week ago that car got a flat tire the other car we're driving around, so I had to go get a tire replaced. Well, I get a call from uh, we, we're short on money, so I got the cheapest tire available. I'm just like, look, all I, I just need to be able to drive to work and home. Like, I'm not looking to take this cross country. I'm not looking to drive this more than like maybe an hour at, in at one time. So I, I don't need like this best tire ever. But the tire place called me and is like, well. Actually, because your car is all-wheel drive, we recommend you replace all four tires because it could mess up the drivetrain, which is the transmission. Mm-hmm. And 
I was just like, well, I don't have enough money for that right now. I'm just going to get the one tire. But I get super paranoid with car stuff. And basically, it has now made me paranoid when I drive that car of, oh, man, is at any point this car just going to break down with a transmission problem? It would be such a furious George thing to happen for me to get the other car back with a transmission and then this car's transmission goes out or something stupid. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it as like, I have to drive this other car for like two, three more days. Just get me there. Get me to the van that has the warranty on the transmission. Get it fixed. Like I'm so close, but trannies are a big uh, grievance for me. I'm so close, but the trannies just, yeah. 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 Well, that is a lot of grievances, but cheer up, Furious George. You know what they say. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best Hey Always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life Well, that's what we're frustrated about today. What about you? Share your frustrations with us or about us at Real FM Podcast on social media or FrustrationNation at ShootYourShotSports.com. Go voice your frustrations and leave us a review. And if you're frustrated that this episode is over because you wanted to hear more, be sure to look for new episodes every Tuesday everywhere you get podcasts and be sure to subscribe. If you get as frustrated as we do or you just enjoy hearing us gab, consider supporting the show on Patreon for a monthly subscription or Venmo tip jar for a one-time donation. Every little bit helps. Even $1, which is the same amount of bruised knees Andy Dalton has and bruised egos Matt Nagy is afraid to have, and it's the same amount of stars Justin Fields will probably have because Matt Nagy is an imbecile who thinks Andy Dalton is the same person as Alex Smith from 2017, which is a really stupid thing to say. I mean, have you seen Andy Dalton? Makes a big difference for us. We appreciate the support. Now get out there and frustrate the hate. That was a very well-constructed sentence. Thank you. As an English teacher, yeah, definitely no run-ons or anything there. That was today. My juniors were doing vocab, and it was all over prefixes and suffixes. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of foreign exchange students that are juniors, and so I went on this long thing about language. And I took a class in college called the History of the English Language, and I just talked about like just what language is and how it's grown and. Mainly nice. talking about how English is this really stupid language. Um, With all the homophones, homonyms, like that. And I mean, different letter combinations that, like, the mm-hmm. fact that the letter A can be pronounced A, A, A. Yeah. Like, that's. And then, like, if you put it with a U or a W, it's an A. Like, very bizarre. Like, how, how do you get that straight? Um, but really what I told them, I said, English is a very difficult language. And the reason is, is because unlike French, which derives only from Latin, like Latin is where French comes from. It's a variation on Latin. Unlike that, English is like, okay, we're going to have some old school Latin. 
some ancient ancient Greek. We're gonna have some Spanish, some French, some German, some Italian, some Dutch. Mm-hmm. Like sprinkle in a little bit of like Canadian in there, even. And then, oh, don't forget about the original like Gaelic, Anglican English that was like even an unrecognizable language at this point. Like, and then after all that, we're going to look down on all those other languages as being inferior. <laughs> exactly.